Hi friends and welcome to The Geode, your guide to modern wellness and woo. What exactly is woo? What is consciousness? What does it actually mean to be well? These are the topics that we're going to be exploring together. Hi, I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. A few years ago, I found myself drawn to the world of spirituality, and while I loved it, I also felt really self-conscious. I didn't feel comfortable asking questions or showing up to certain events, and I never heard or saw anyone with a voice like mine. Someone who is grounded, relatable, approachable, super funny, but also really witchy. That's why I created this podcast, so we can learn together each week from the change makers, trailblazers, healers, mystics, and merchants all over the world of wellness. We'll bring you new ideas, new inspiration, answers to burning questions, and together we'll discover new ways of healing, learning, and showing up for ourselves. I really hope that you love it, because I love you. Hello and welcome to The Geode. I am Tanya Nagaraja and I am here to introduce Stephanie Wood, who is the host, in reality, of The Geode. This is the first episode and this is Stephanie Wood. Can you please introduce yourself and what you do and how you do it and what your intentions are? I would love to and thank you for that intro. I love you. Um... My name is Stephanie Wood. I'm the host of the Geode Podcast, your guide to modern wellness and woo. I am and have always tried to find a way to normalize mental, physical, and spiritual health. And I've tried to do it in a variety of ways. And I feel like all the ways have led me to this point of using my voice and my being as a way to help educate and inform people on all the different ways that they can feel good in this lifetime. That's great. Uh, Especially right now, I think we're entering a period of unprecedented mental health concern. Um, So that's a really great thing to focus on. Um, What's, what, what are you bringing to the table with your voice? What, what what's different about you versus someone who is doing the same thing in this space? I think my biggest differentiating factor is relatability. I feel like I'm somebody who's quite relatable. I have good days. I have bad days. I'm open about the good days and the bad days. I'm not looking for enlightenment. I haven't found enlightenment. Uh, I'm, pretty committed to being a person and trying to find my way through spirituality, but that um, I really like terrible food and terrible TV. And I don't use those things as ways of feeling bad about who I am, but instead as just idiosyncrasies that I have and using those as a way to make me and my path and what I'm doing more relatable. Why do you think in this day and age, we're still trying to please each other in ways like um, creating these personas around what we do and who we are in order to project an image to each other, in order to fit in that persists into adulthood? Um, Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think it's the thing that pops into my head is social media, but it's hard to tell if 
social media is a thing because we're always outwardly expressing or we're more outwardly expressing because of social media. So it's hard to see which one came first, right? Like it's a vehicle, but we've used it as a vehicle in a certain way. So were we there before? But um, I think it's a really amazing question. And I don't know when the thought process begins where all of a sudden we seek outwardly instead of inwardly. And I think this is where a lot of anxiety, uh, low self-esteem, low self-worth comes from because everything is expressed externally. I need to get this job to feel of worth. I need to get married and have children because that's what's expected of me. You know, very often when we talk to people and you talk to them about their discomforts or wherever their big emotions are, generally it's around something outside of them. Mm-hmm. like an external pressure or an external expectation and that everyone already actually knows what they need and what they should do, but they're afraid to do it because I'll be judged. I'll be exiled. I'll be criticized. Um, and so I think it's a really interesting question and I don't know when it all begins, but I think it is the question that everyone needs to assess is how do I want to show up in this lifetime for me? It's funny because it kind of ebbs and flows, I think over time, you know, there's a certain point in history where every woman is a mother and a wife, and then it moves to a little bit more independence and autonomy. And then there's kind of like a rubber band effect where we snap back into um, being back at home with kids and everything's important. And it's just, there's always this constantly shifting thing. And um, you're, you're absolutely correct. We assign these roles to ourselves. How do you think wellness and women are suited for each other? So what, like an ideal, like when I think of wellness and when I think of the voice that I want to portray to me, it's like, um, like the ideal mother, like, like for me, I had an amazing mom and, but also like the ideal mother is, you know, you can cry on her chest and just let everything out and you know you're safe and you know you're held and you can just let everything come out and cry and you're being nurtured and accepted. But also the ideal mother will, you know, if you cry too much, say like, okay, brush off and get up and go back out there and try again. You know, so it's like this maternal thing of like, I accept you as you are, but I'm also going to push you a little bit because I want you to see how strong you are. But also the mama bear, like if anybody comes at you, I'm going to take off my earrings and my jewelry and I'm going to come at them too. You know, yeah. like the protective mama bear is like, you point out which oh, of these kids pushed you down <laughs> and I'm going to go after them. But that it like is fluid in that way. And so it's not always nurturing. It's not always letting all your emotions out. It's not always punching a pillow with anger, but that sometimes it's also resiliency and it's being told like enough, get back out there and try again, do it on your own, know who you are, know you're amazing, know there's a safe space here for you. But also you said, you said you used the word safety more than once in that. And it, every time you said it, it resonated like ringing a bell. Um, because I think that there is a large part of what you and other people in the space are doing that really boils down to creating a place of safety for people to, um, get in touch with themselves or to fix causing whatever problem they need to solve in their life. And, um, So 
do you think that generally speaking okay and we're back and so so i think i, I want to cover a lot in a, in a short period of time and so um what um what have you learned from the people that you've interviewed so far for your podcast a lot of ways in which you can begin to discover more about yourself um, what I like the most about everybody that I've interviewed is that they have a pretty grounded approach. So the safety thing that you are talking about was important to me because I, and this may just be an insecurity of mine, but I never, there are a lot of people I reached out to or that I followed or sought their information that I did not feel comfortable with. I just felt like I was judged for not being somebody of an enlightened being who can meditate every day for 50 minutes or like not actually knowing what's going on in the sky. And so there was a lot of like, I just felt that there was a lot of judgment around where I was and who I am. And it's important for me that this place comes from a place of no judgment and a place of being grounded. Like I'm very interested in this stuff and I believe in a lot of it, but I also question a lot of it. And so the thing that I've also really liked about everyone that I've interviewed is that while it's their career and they deeply believe and love it, they also understand that they're a person. And, and so their approach is a lot more grounded instead of just really being out there and not understanding the flesh part of being a person. And that's something that's important to me because I'm here to be a spiritual being and a person. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, you know, me, I'm like the scully to your molder. <laughs> <laughs> and, but in, in, the amount of time that I've worked with you, I've really learned so much about um, the work that people are doing. And I think that there's so much value in in pretty much all of it. But I do agree that there is a, a large segment that is um, very brand forward and very word salady, and really, I think, prohibits the everyday person from feeling as if it's something that they can um like it's like it's a world that they can become a part of like it's it's definitely set up or it feels like it's set up to be um exclusive to impart uh, like a feeling of exclusivity and i think that that is scary to a lot of people and it seems it makes it seem makes the whole spectrum seem less credible to some degree do you agree with that yeah yeah totally and also like in essence, what we're trying to do is we want you to feel good, right? Like at the end of the day, what wellness is trying to do is put you in a state where you feel good. But how can you feel good if you're feeling judged? And this is something I've had to come to terms with on my own just by becoming more and more confident in who I am is that I'm often a mess. I'm a mess. Like I was late to school with my kids today. I forgot my son's mask. But that within being a mess, I'm allowed to show up that way and I can still be of value and of worth and a person who's pretty good at what she does and a spiritual being. And again, like if we're trying to let people in essence feel good, how are they feeling good when they're feeling judged for not being perfect? Like that, that, that doesn't even make any sense. That's, that's very true. I think, um, one of the things that strikes me about that is that um, asking for help when you're a mess or feel like you're a mess or having a messy moment in a perfect life, um, we don't typically ask for help. And so 
something that I observe about wellness and woo and all of these things is that it it is sort of a way to raise your hand and 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 seek the advice of someone else or look outwardly to alleviate some of the crises that we face on a daily basis. Um, some of your guests have been really powerful in that respect where they- yeah absolutely and also like um just acknowledging like in the moment of like okay i'm a mess and not wrapping shame around it but either being like okay either i need to manage my time better or just like today was shit it's just shit some days they're just shit and like you're saying that asking for help is also acknowledgement of like i'm not perfect but it's okay i can't do this alone and that's okay and just like you know maybe i want it to be a little different how do i seek out somebody that could help me change this and I can feel good about the change and the change isn't coming from a place of like, I'm not a good person unless I'm organized, but more from a place of like, this is pretty frustrating. I just don't want to do this anymore and making the change from there. It's okay not to be productive, but not you, (laughs) (laughs) but not me. me, It's okay to be a mess, but not me. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, um, that's another thing is that how we're, we're sort of programmed to be caretakers for everyone else and put our own needs aside until we sort of implode or become just unreachable to ourselves. Um, But I do think that's part of the confidence that I have now is in saying that I'm, I'm a mess and you can see the mess and I still feel like I'm a pretty great person, despite the fact that I can be very messy often and that that becomes a relatable thing of, okay, she's not perfect. She's not trying to be perfect and she's not showing perfection. She's showing where it can be perceived a mess and that it's uncomfortable, but that they can still exist. So I've always known you to be a very, um, sympathetic and empathetic person and we've known each other for years and um i know that uh, in your life that this spirituality um the wellness thing that's it's fairly new in terms of of what you're doing but i think that you've been sort of involved with some aspect of it unintentionally your whole life um can you think of a time like maybe the the earliest you can remember that this may have been sort of a seed that was planted in you to do things that were more on a spiritual side or um, like, do you feel like as a child that you had some sort of empathetic reaction or, or something that set you apart that might have indicated to someone on the outside looking in that this might be something that you'd do later? Um, like my earliest memories are just of being sprightly, like, and I, the, you know, like as I've gone and getting older, I've asked my mom kind of like, what was I like as a child when I was trying to figure out what career to take on? You know, like some people like, oh, you were very organized as a kid. So I always knew that you were going to be like an engineer or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was always like inquiring because, you know, there's hints there in your essence at five before the world tells you what to be of what you may do. And both my parents were like, you're just very sprightly. You were like interested in everything. You were just like your own being. You just, you did your own thing. And mom, mom would say you marched to the beat of your own drum. And I think that kind of like what we were talking about before with like mysticism being like, you could be a witch in the kitchen or in the garden, but that 
for me, I guess what I've been seeking through spirituality is that freedom again of just like connecting to the essence of the world and not being caught up in how I look or what I'm doing. And then the empathy was there at a young age. And that was also something that I learned later in life was like differentiating between what's my emotion and what's someone else's Uh, emotion. mm -hmm. Because when you're young and you're empathic, you don't know what's yours and what's not yours. And so you're trying to help everybody because you can't differentiate, you know, you feel it and you feel bad for them and you want to help them. But recently, uh, these are boundaries that I've had to set up of like, I'm sorry that you're in pain and I could be here for you, but I won't take on your pain. Do you feel like either of your children have sort of inherited that from you? Um, I think. Which, by the way, you have two children and. Oh, yes. I'm a mom with two kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, At this point, I would say my son probably is the most like me. But. um, Yeah, but also like my daughter is quite young. I mean, she's almost five. And so I I don't know. I think they're both like me. Not like I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell as like a parent because like. I don't know. Everything is like through a different lens of like, but I will tell you that my son is a lot like me in the ways in which I'm bothered. And so I'm triggered by that all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. So he gets a lot of my wrath because it's like something within me that I've always wanted to change. And when I see it in him, I get very hard on him. And and, you know, Shane, my husband will be like really hard on him, but it's just because I'm like seeing these things that I wished I had changed when I was young. That's funny because he looks a lot like you. And I think Charlie, your daughter looks a lot like your husband. So, um, it's <laughs> yeah. And if he was a girl, if it was a girl and looked like me, I don't know what I would do because it would just be like little me. And so I'd just be like parenting my inner child or something. I don't know, <laughs> but so I'm glad it's a boy. Yeah. It's, it's rough. I mean, it, my child is a combination of myself and my husband, but I sometimes, you know, wonder to what degree. And while it's nice to see certain aspects of myself express in the next a generation, I'm also worried. So I understand. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that's like you don't know all your triggers until you have a kid, and they're like, <laughs> "Stop that!" And my husband's like, "Why are you being so hard on him?" I was like, "I don't know," because like in 30 years, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I was thinking about women and how we're like, "I want to be independent," but then we immediately like tie ourselves to someone else and then create people that are dependent on us. So- <laughs> <laughs> I want to be independent, but not like that. But not like that. No, I need something you know, someone like a a wrecking ball constantly asking me for a snack. That's, (laughs) (laughs) um, so let's talk about, um, the, what, what you want in terms of the podcast, like what, what, what are your goals in terms of who you want to interview or what audience you want to reach or, um, what your what your what problem are you trying to solve with your podcast? The most important thing to me is that whether you've been in this space of wellness for a long time or you've just started to be in the space is an acknowledgement that your life is not perfect and that's okay. And that the most important thing is if you don't feel good, you find a way to feel good. And to me, feeling good is accepting who you are and accepting what your life is like. And some of us need a lot of help getting there. And some of us need a little bit of help. And some of us don't need any help. But in the market research, what I find is that either people don't want to admit that there's a problem. People are overwhelmed by the information 
or they're intimidated or they're curious, but they don't know what step to take. And I want to be able to be the person where you feel safe, that word again, safe enough to be like, actually, things aren't okay. How do I find a way to make them okay? And that can be through someone reading your needle chart. It could be through a therapist. It could be through some somatic experience. That is all up to you. But I want to be able to provide a platform of information where you can decide, I don't want to carry on this generational trauma. I don't want to carry on this pain. And you take a step from not being well into feeling confident about making a decision to feel well. I think a lot of people um, get stymied by their own perception that in order to pursue something within the wellness world to make yourself feel better or to um, be complementary to something that isn't working means that you have to put aside all traditional traditional medicine and all traditional sort of Western ideas about being healthy. And if someone's being treated for something that definitely needs the care of a physician, then maybe they're hesitant or yeah, like if fearful. you broke a bone, don't get a Reiki healing. Yeah. Go to a <laughs> go to a hospital, have that shit put in place, and get a cast. Yeah. If you have super deep emotions, go to a therapist. This isn't that you bring bring up an amazing point. For me, it's not one or the other. It's integrative, right? Like, just think about your body, right? Like, with your body, you want to eat healthy and exercise to. F- preventatively keep the body healthy. But if something happens that is very serious, like the body gets cancer, then you can go to a hospital and have that treated. I I think of it all as integrative as opposed to one or the other. I think that's, that's, that's been um, something that's kind of take chipped away maybe at the credibility of the wellness um I mean, not now. It, it seems like now suddenly everything is possible because we're living in a world where literally everything has happened that we <laughs> never thought murder possible. hornets. And so people are really reaching out to um, things that they never thought of before, and things are becoming so mainstream now. Um, but uh, I think that there are certain things that, like, say, say for example, like what did what did your family think about? you moving into the space of sort of mysticism and spirituality. And um, you come from a family that's Jewish and that's part of your identity as well. Um, We talk about this all the time and identity and who we are and where we come from. So in your own life, do you feel like you had to overcome that sort of idea that um, this was silly or this was weird or, coming from other members of your family. Yeah, I think it's only been within the last month, but even like last week, I think my mom sent me a text about like some table decorating company. And I was like, I have a company. I've had a company for a while. I'm pretty committed to it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much of it is that just like, um, you know, Jewish mother, but. Um, well, I mean, I have it too. So <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. So I don't know how much is like, Maybe just like it'll always par- be this parents way. just automatically think that you're not doing anything. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty committed. But um, yeah, I think in the beginning, there was a bit of like, what is this? I don't understand this. And then there was a bit of like, but you're Jewish. And a, com- and a, and a conversation around like, I'm still Jewish. This isn't a religion. Can I say that you're Jewish though? 
Is that a question? A mooish. <laughs> well, I think it's like the... Um, I think it's been an interesting evolution because it seems like a no-brainer to me. Like once I discovered what this was and I opened up to it, I was like, I just got, I just, I just got it, just clicked. But to to have to converse with other people about it has been interesting. Where people are like, is this a religion? Yeah. What are you doing? What is this? You know. And I never, I never wrapped my brain around how to explain something because for me, I just, it was like innate. I was like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I know this is the right thing to do and I'm just going to do it. And hopefully in a few years, you'll understand it too. So there has, and I think like my brother and my sister are, were also quite confused because it was like very far from anything we've ever done. But I've also done this a few times before, like with the army and with my, our first company that, um, mm-hmm. You would think by this time, they would just be like, all right, we'll wait three years and see what this makes sense. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> well, that, I, um, yeah, no, I think that's something that you and I um, really immediately bonded over and not even, it wasn't even spoken, but it was just sort of understood that um, it was such a strange thing for either of us to be in the army. Like <laughs> it didn't, it didn't really fit either of us other than we were creative problem solvers. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I can see it. I can see it, but I think that the people closest to us have a hard time seeing yeah, and how I it's possible. Absolutely. And I don't judge that also. I just like, didn't understand how to explain it. Cause I didn't come to it from a point of my own comprehension. I was just like, no, that's it. I'm going to go. And that's how I tend to react. Like, I just know that's what I'm supposed to do as opposed to t- taking in all the facts. <laughs> So it was hard for me to explain it to them. And then in terms of my husband, he's really pragmatic. And he's like, as long as you're happy and you're making money and you're not hurting anyone, yeah. whatever. I don't know. I don't. And I don't know what it is also. Like, that's he's very, you know, he's in construction. He's drives a Chevy Silverado. So he's like very like masculine and male energy and like just engineering brain and so like to under to like comprehend woo wasn't necessarily his thing but being someone who's pragmatic he was just like if you're happy and you're making money and you're not harming anybody whatever fine go jump on a broomstick that's um that that's kind of leading to my next portion here and i I got four minutes left um just just real quick so um um shit you just threw me off with the four minutes okay i'm gonna cut that out so with my husband all right yeah your husband so um do you think that overall it's harder for men and this tends i think wellness and woo it tends to be a very woman-centric very female energy female-led space but um do you think that over time we're going to see that that men start to embrace maybe a little bit more as it becomes more mainstream and find it easier to ask for help as well? I really hope so. I know at one point we had entertained having this be just focused towards men. Um, but, you know, um, it's something I think about a lot because I'm not an expert in this topic. But if you just look at the gun violence and suicide rate in in America, it's very clear that we are doing a disservice to our, our boys and our men. And so I don't know how we best approach that, but I think that we are reaching a point in time where we need to approach that. We need to do a better job for our men. 
Um, I have a son and he went to public school for one year and I just saw the language in him from one year at school of how he was supposed to show up and like not show emotion. And, you know, I don't have an answer for that. And I don't know if we're going to see more men come in, but I think it needs to start to be a focus. I think we need to really help out our men. And I'm not looking for men to, you know, all of a sudden, like I, I enjoy the masculine energy. I enjoy masculinity and men being men. I think that I'm, I fully support that. You know, I don't think we have to change a demographic. I think we have to figure out though, how we approach this demographic and allow them to have some space to express emotion in a way that is healthy. That's great. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I'm excited to hear what you do and um, what we can learn from your podcast and what I can learn. <laughs> and thanks for being by my side since um, Always. 2009. Well, yeah, it's a long time. Long and I'm, I'm, yeah. And um, I'm excited for this to come out into the world. And I think you and for those who don't know, Tanya and I have been working together for the last three to four years on a company and our mission has always been, how do we help people know that it's okay to not be okay and to be more vocal about it so that we can find ways to heal and work towards feeling better? Because when we don't, we're just harming ourselves and those around us. And life can be pretty cool if we're not so hard on ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much and um, good luck. Thanks. I love you. I love you too. Okay. This has been my very first episode of The Geode, The Modern Guide to Wellness and Woo, and I'm Stephanie Wood, your host. I want to thank you so much for dropping in on this meet and greet. My next episode will feature an amazing guest from the world of wellness and woo, and I also want to hear your ideas. The Geode is a guide cast for you, and if you drop a comment below, we'll take your request and do what we can to bring you that content you want to hear. Please subscribe and review and tell your friends. The Geode is available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are available. Again, thank you so much. And I hope that you come back for more of The Geode because wellness rocks and so do you.